Hi folks, this is Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Coming to you once again from TSPN, that is the Survival Podcast Network Headquarters, a.k.a. The Ant Hill. Today is Tuesday, April the 10th, 2012, and this is episode 877 of the Survival Podcast. Uh, we're going to have a kind of a cool show today. i got a guy that's just a, a trucker that's been uh, actually been a ham radio guy as well, but mostly uses a CB for communications right now. Uh, when I had uh, Wade Bolin on and we talked about uh, bug-out vehicles for military surplus... He kind of got the CB bug going in me a little bit, and I know there's a little animosity between the two groups that I want to point out right up front. Today is not CB is better than ham day. I have Tim Glantz, who is part of the uh, expert council, uh, specifically mostly on vehicles, by the way, uh, who's also a ham and a fairly experienced ham uh, with a lot of uh, a lot of technical ability that will be coming on in the future to do a show on ham radio. So I'm just seeing these things as two separate worlds. Um, I actually believe that for a lot of just general preppers, just the general day-to-day preppers, CB is a more practical choice. Uh, I know that might upset some ham guys, but I do. Clay does. We'll talk about that and many other things today as soon as I bring them on air. Before I do, though, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsors. They do a lot to help take care of you. Sponsor of the day number one today, KnifeKits.com. Now, I love knife kits because if you want to build a knife and you're like this badass knife maker and you just want like really cool materials, you can get that. Or if like you're building your first knife and you basically know how a file and stuff like that works and how to sharpen, or maybe you don't even know that yet, you can go there, get some handle material, get a kit, get a book or a DVD, and start making knives tomorrow. So from the novice to the brand new guy to the professional, they have what you need. Great reputation in all the blade forms and stuff like that. Check them out today, knifekits.com. Remember, they do give a discount to member support brigade members. Next up, Sawtooth Tactical, all the stuff you need to live that tactical lifestyle. Veteran-owned, veteran-operated, and uh, running their operation up in the Sawtooth Wilderness of Idaho. And you can get everything there from Magpul Magazines to uh, SOE Tactical Gear, Titanium Tactical Spork, you name it. They've got all kinds of cool stuff. Check them out today. They also do a discount for MSB members. So um, not every single sponsor does a discount for MSB. Some people just logistically can't do it. Those that can do, though, and uh, both of today's sponsors do. And hold tight if you usually skip today. Do not skip. I have a special announcement about a sale for the MSB that will only be mentioned on air. I will not be publishing it on the website or Facebook or anything like that. Uh, I might tweet it just to see if anybody pays attention to tweets. Anyway, um, uh, so that is coming up in just a minute. But on the Twitter thing, the Twitter thing, uh, do connect with me on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, specifically Facebook on my fan page. I put a lot of information out on Facebook that does not make it into the show just because of the volume of information that comes in. We have a lot of great discussions there. Sometimes people get mad, but let's not get mad. Let's understand each other and sometimes agree to disagree. Um, so I promised you... Uh, a, a sale today, and I'm going to do that right now. It's tax time, and i got to go finish up some more crap with my CPA for last year's taxes. So I thought I would do a discount to make some money this year to pay the money I'm going to owe the government for last year. And the discount code, uh, interestingly enough, is taxes, T-A-X-E-S, taxes, all lowercase. 
Uh, you can use that on the form, and we'll just give you some extra time. Uh, if you use it online with PayPal, it'll give you $40 for your first year versus $50. Makes a good deal even better. Also, while we're at it, I want to remind you we do have the new store for Copper Coins. I'm talking to Rob about getting the silver and gold stuff in there, but that's a little ways off. Yeah, we do have some really cool Copper Coins. Uh, at tspcopper.com, so check that out as well today. Uh, but MSB, remember, Military Law Enforcement Peace Corps Active Duty Prior Service. Email me before you join. You get a special discount and thanks you for your service. It applies to recurring revenue, unlike the sale prices. And uh, it's actually a little bit better deal than I'm offering today. But again, if you've been putting off joining the MSB and you've been thinking, I'm waiting for a sale, here's another one. 40 bucks for your first year. If you don't want to keep it after your first year, cancel any time in the first year and you will be uh, fine with that. Uh, last but not least, I want to remind you guys, we're getting ready for show 1000. Getting ready for show 1000. And uh, I'll tell you what, I think it's going to be really cool. And I'm going to do a show where everybody calls in and talks about how things have changed in their lives over the years with Survival Podcast and our community and other prepper communities and how uh, we're fighting the revolution individually. And that uh, will be the featured episode 1000 will be your calls. I expect it will run hours long. I have a special 800 number I'll be setting up next week so we can start taking calls for that because I believe there's going to be so much material. I want it all to go one place separate from everything else to make it easier when I put it together. But we're also going to recut the video for the Revolution is You, so I need your pictures. Take a look at the old Revolution is You your pictures uh, video to get an idea of what kind of pictures I'm looking for. But let's do a lot this time. Let's not just do gardening. Let's do a lot more of getting out there and making a difference. I don't care if it's political activism. I don't care if it's teaching those kids to shoot guns. I don't care if it's camping. I don't care what it is. But anything that's helping you take your individual liberty back, I want photos of it. Please do me a favor, guys. Do not send me like 14 pictures that I have to go through. Pick your two to three pictures you think are best for the video and send me that. A lot of time you guys are hitting me at home when I'm downloading email in the e evenings over uh, satellite internet. And if you send me like 20 pictures that are all like, you know, four, five megs, some of them are 12 megs, you guys, 12 meg pictures, four 12 meg pictures, that's 48 megabytes. That's tough on my download allowance. There, you know, I might have to like go on the back end and delete the freaking email. So let's go two, three pictures, best ones for the Revolution is You 2.0 video. Put Revolution 2.0 in the subject line. I know that was a lot for an introduction segment, but hopefully uh, it was worth your time today. Uh, I do want to make Episode 1000 amazing, and I want to make Revolution, the Revolution is You 2.0 video uh, better. And if I, I might even let the damn song play twice just to get double the pictures in this time so I don't end up with five, 600 pictures that were submitted not used the way I did last time around. All right, with that, I've got the housekeeping wrapped up. Let's uh, go ahead and introduce our special guest. Our special guest today is uh, Clay Vitus. He's been uh, using CB and Ham Radio for an awful long time. He's actually joining us today from a truck stop in New Mexico. Uh, he had a kind of a hole in his day. He's stuck there and uh, going to be stuck there for a while. And uh, he got in touch with me and said, I know you're looking for a CB guy. If you can do it today, I can do it today uh, without making any special arrangements. So actually, I did this video last Friday. That's why we changed the schedule up a little bit. So, uh, hey, Clay, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Hey, Jack. Thanks for having me on. Well, I was really happy to have you, you know, volunteer to come and do this because I've wanted to get a show in on CB um, because I think it's a great option for preppers and I think it's a great easy option, low cost option to get started with some level of communications beyond the cell phone, the landline, and the walkie-talkie. Um, 
but you've been you've been doing this stuff for a long time, both as an amateur radio guy and as a CBer. Uh, what are you? What, you're you're right now hanging out at a truck stop or something like that while you're chatting with us? Yeah, right now I'm uh, I'm, I'm driving a truck for a living at the moment, and and I'm kind of stuck uh, in Moriarty, New Mexico, at a at a TA truck stop with uh, no flush toilets for men. So it's a bit of an adventure. <laughs> you know, I, I actually think that, that we can learn a lot from guys who drive, especially, you know, over-the-road stuff uh, about prepping, because you guys do end up stuck in places from time to time, and you got to have a kind of a self-reliant bent to you, I think, to do that kind of work. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, a lot of us are just kind of helpless when that kind of stuff happens, but, uh, you know, and you hear a lot about snowstorms and things like that. Guys will get stuck at a truck stop for a week and a half because the road's closed. And the truck stop runs, runs out of supplies too because no trucks are getting in, so they're not getting their stops. Yeah, I think well, those guys. Yeah, I guess the, the, the smart thing to then though is transport food so that. I know this is all the subject leading off, but I've often thought, you know, the, the guy that has like a, a trailer full of, you know, food heading for Publix, and if 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 the, if the shit really hits the fan, would he just go home with it? You know. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm considered that. I've also wondered, you know, what kind of anarchy is going to ensue at a truck stop that, that basically shuts down like that? Are they going to oh, be breaking wow. into people's trailers and stealing their stuff, you know? So, I mean, with that, you'd want to be able to talk to people, especially if, you know, phones were down and all or in, in any instance where primary communications are offline. So CB is an option. And I think one of the things that makes people – really attracted to uh, Citizen Band is that it's not real expensive. So, I mean, since you use this daily, how much does a person really need to spend on the equipment to get something that will, you know, work decently? Well, the CD that I'm using currently, I paid $50 for, and that included an antenna and coax. Uh, oh, wow. That was on the extreme low end. Uh, this thing is a no, absolutely no frills radio. Um, it's got uh, two knobs and two buttons and a channel display. And I think it's got, it's got an LED that lights when it's transmitting and one when it's receiving. And that's that's basically it. It's got a and what model is that? Um, I'm not sure. I think it's a Midland. Um, it is a Midland. It's a 77092. Okay. I don't know if that's still available. It, you know, it's basically, you know, as far as... Um, as far as cheap radios go, it's really as cheap as it can get and still be something that works. Um, and that was a deal that I haggled. I haggled out that deal at the CD shop. Uh, gotcha. Uh, so obviously you don't think people need to go out and spend, you know, 500 bucks on, on gear to get started with CB radio. No, and actually that can be quite counterproductive, especially for a prepper, because what you end up with is something that is monumentally expensive and monumentally complicated. Um, and, if it's not something you're going to use every single day, you don't want to get this thing out of the box and try to throw it on your car and then figure out how to use it. You've got 15 knobs and, you know, 20 switches. And what does all this do? I just want to talk to somebody. Sure, sure. And I think that's a big attraction for a lot of people. That's what they want to do is just – but then we get into this. The American thing is the more features, the better – and you start looking at this big list of stuff, and if you don't know what it means, it, it makes me think of, remember when VCRs first came out and they started putting all these pre-programmed features and all in it, and people ended up putting black tape over the blinking 12 just because <laughs> they, all they wanted to do was record and watch, and that was it? 
That's right. So what, like in that low end, you've got a Midland. I've heard good things about them. I've heard good things about Cobra. Are there certain brands that we can look to that are, you know, those those lower end or lower cost models that are considered good for what they are? Yeah, pretty much um, if, you're, if you're looking at brands, pretty much if you walk into a truck stop and look at what brands they're selling or walk into Radio Shack, well, Radio Shack really rebrands everybody else's name, but um, the truck stops will sell the name brands. And, those, you know, really the three out there, um, and, and there are exceptions to this, but the main three are uh, Midland, Cobra, and Galaxy. And you can go outside of that, uh, but you're usually, what you're usually getting is a rebranded radio, which are generally made by Cobra. Okay. Um, what are your thoughts on Cobra? I mean, because I've heard good things about them. Are they are they okay as a lower end cost, or do you consider them maybe a mid tier radio or something? I would consider them a lower end radio. Uh, you can get uh, the the twenty nine LTD is kind of a standard, the old standby radio. They've been producing that radio in various incarnations for the last I think twenty five years, uh, and they they recently gone and kind of changed the insides of it but they still made it look just like the 29 LTD. And they call that the classic. And, it, you know, it's a no-thrill, less than 100 bucks, uh, even at the truck stops where they're marked up severely. And it, it does most of what anybody would ever want to do. Uh, the main thing is with, um, with CDs, you know, as long as you're getting a decent brand, uh, and, and not that I'm all, you know, fixed on brands, but, you know, if you're if you're getting something really super cheap with a Chinese brand name, there's a really good chance it's not going to last very long. But if you get something with an actual name brand, chances are it's going to be around for ten or fifteen years if you're not abusing it. Anyway, um, the cool thing with CP is everything's limited to five watts at 100 percent modulation. So you you don't really need to go around looking for something that makes more power than that because that's illegal. Sure. So it kind of puts everybody on an even playing field, and, and you can really kind of just go out and shop price features at that point. And when we start looking at radio, uh, CB radio, I think everybody thinks of the trucker with a CB radio rolling down the road, but there's really three kind of flavors of CB radio, right? Oh, uh, I'm going like, I'm talking about maybe flavor's not the right word. I'm thinking, you know, like base station, mobile, and handheld. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and I have opinions about that, especially from a you know, from a proper point of view. Uh, my personal opinion is really mobile is the only way to go. It's the most versatile. Uh, you can, you know, you're not really going to carry it uh, on, on your person. Uh, that would be really heavy because you've got to carry 12-volt batteries to power it. Um, but you, you can put it in a car or you can put it in your house with a um, uh, transformer that will switch from line voltage down to 12-volt. Uh, so the same radio can be extremely versatile. Okay, so personally, when I'm recommending a CD to somebody, I'm, I'm going to tell them to stay away from the handheld CDs. They don't have the range. They don't have the battery life. And I also I'm, I'm not liking the base stations because they are a dedicated base station. You have to plug them into the wall. Uh, mobile, you know, as in a, a car mobile, is really, as far as I'm concerned, the only real option. And it's also from what I've seen, the uh, uh, the largest array of options. 
And that can be used both in a car and in a house because you're going to plug it in, you know, you plug it into your cigarette lighter or you attach it to your battery in your car. Or in a house, if you just get a 12 volt power supply, you can plug it into the wall and use it there. On that note, though, like with uh, with base stations, one of the things that I've seen like being the biggest advantage is that if somebody wants to and, and wants to put the effort into it, they can put in a much uh, higher and, and, uh, and more effective antenna. So that person could then go ahead and build that antenna infrastructure and bring that radio in and hook up to it and still get that same advantage. Yeah. Uh, as big a deal as the people that write the books about it make it out to be. Well, see, the, the, the thing is, with the, with the base station, you still have, you, you know, now you've got a big box. It's, you know, almost a piece of furniture at that point. No, I'm not talking about a base station unit, Clay. I'm talking oh, about okay. building a antenna that's permanent for the home that you just bring oh. that mobile into and hook into. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of different things you can do there. There's antennas, you know, you can you can get the uh, great big huge antenna that everybody hates. You know, the the HOAs will you know throw you out on your ear if they see it. Kind of antennas, all the way down to, uh, you know, I've I've built antennas using electric fence wire and uh, insulators, and you can you can hide that anywhere. You can run it up a tree. You can you can uh, run it through the rafters in your attic. And have it complete, be completely invisible. Uh, you can run it over the top of your house, and it's just kind of, you know, if anybody sees it, there's just a little wire running across the peak of your house. Nobody really notices it. And you can tune that to a specific channel. So if you've got somebody, you know, if you live in Oregon and you want to talk to somebody in Florida and you want to shoot skip uh, on uh, upper and lower side band, uh, which uh, we'll get into a little later, then you can tune that antenna to exactly the frequency you're always going to meet that person on, and you can really maximize your range that way. Wow. I think that's like a capability, and like you said, maybe we'll get into that a little bit more toward the end, That, but the single sideband and some of the things that lets you do, and I think there's a time of the year issue there as well, or time of day issue there as well, but CB, without breaking the law, right, can go beyond what a lot of people, I believe, think that it, it's capable of. Yeah, it's really affected by, um, well, like you said, time of day. Uh, daylight hours uh, really uh, restricts your uh, effective range uh, just because the sun is a great big radio transmitter, uh, broadband. Uh, and then there's solar cycles, too, and, and when you get into amateur radio, you start getting into all that kind of stuff. And right now, actually, I understand where the solar maximum. I haven't, I haven't been on the radio uh on the amateur side very much at all lately, but uh, during solar maximums, you can really get a lot of skip off the uh, upper atmosphere and really extend your signal. I have, in fact, uh, on regular AM, let's see, I was I was in um, Eugene, Oregon, and I was talking to people in uh, Iowa as if they were across the parking lot from me. Oh, wow. It was just... You know, it was it was just a it was a weird atmospheric anomaly that allowed a full uh, a full spectrum AM signal to, to skip all the way across. It was really cool. That's really neat when stuff like that happens. I know sometimes if it's a, there's a lot of it, it can it can clog up a channel, but it's also kind of cool that you're yeah. You know, I, I guess it's almost like the internet uh, before the internet, where you're talking to people and you really don't know who they are, but it's cool because you find out where they're at and you have this common bond of communications. Yeah. Yeah, and, and 
you know, the other really cool thing about CD is that basically everybody has it. You know, it's it's not an exclusive club, which also has its downside. You know, when it's when it's not an exclusive club, any clown out there with a CD can get on there and, and disrupt, you know, life for everybody. But you know, for the most part, it's I, don't know, I, I see it as uh, I see it as a better option than amateur radio for somebody who's not going to go full bore into it. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I'm not saying it's a better technology. I'm saying it's a better option for the person that just wants a way to communicate. Um, we kind of maybe we'll wrap up with that thought. I want to kind of keep moving down your outline here, though. So kind of wrapping up the lower-end equipment, what kind of capabilities should we expect from low-end equipment? For, from the lowest-end equipment, uh, I expect five miles. Okay. Uh, just a slam. Uh, you know, and that's and that's – most of what anybody would ever need if they're caravanning up and down the freeway or, or if they're just going down the road and trying to find out what kind of things are going on uh, you know, up ahead of them. Uh, so that's, that's about the best you can expect, really, from the cheap stuff. Uh, and, and again, it, it really depends on your antenna. Uh, there's a lot we can go into with antennas. Okay. Uh, but, um, yeah, I... You know, I like, I like to say five miles front, front to rear. Okay, cool. As we kind of move into more like the upper end options, something we consider a good radio, um, that's something that's very, I don't know, like uh, subjective, the term good. So from someone that actually uses this gear, what constitutes, you know, like a quote, good radio or a good CB? Well, yeah, it's like you say, it is very subjective. Uh, a good radio would be something that you can modify easily and something that's serviceable. If something breaks, you can take it. It's not considered a disposable unit. Uh, something you could take to, you know, a truck stop pretty much anywhere in the U.S. and find a CB guy. You know, there a lot of truck stops have CB shops right next door and find somebody who can, you know, oh, yeah, that's, that's you know, 29LD, I've got, you know, I've got final drives for that right here. You know, do you want it to be legal or do you want it to be better? Yeah. Okay. Um, so you know, and other than that, you know, once you get into it a little bit more, if if it's if it's something you're going to ruin your life with, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it quite that way. Uh, if it's something you're going to dedicate a lot of time to, then you're going to want to look at radios that have more of the options you want to be involved in, especially upper and lower side band. A lot of radios include an SWR meter, so you don't have to buy that separately, which can be really handy, uh, especially for somebody who isn't, you know, especially for somebody who isn't trying to get into it completely. Having a, having an interval SWR meter would be a good thing, I think, but, um, could That's you talk right. a little bit about exactly what SWR is and why people need to care? SWR stands for Standing Wave Ratio, and it's basically uh, it's a measure of antenna efficiency. And the, the way an antenna works is it's radiating out a radio, a radio signal. And you want to tune your antenna to the frequency or something very close to, you know, to the frequency that you're, that you're talking on. Uh, so that you have the least amount of radio energy reflected back through your system. It'll actually bounce kind of out to the end of the antenna and straight back through the wire into the radio and generate a lot of heat. Uh, it's 
generally not a huge issue, uh, especially with the lower end equipment. The, uh, the manufacturers, uh, put in tough enough electronics that it doesn't blow up unless you're using it for a long period of time with a really bad match unless it's got a direct short. Uh, because they don't want the warranty returns all the time, so they have to make their stuff be able to deal with some heat. Uh, but the better your match is, the more range you have, the more efficiently you're going to use the power that you do have to get out. Okay. Uh, you mentioned, like, you know, CB shops at truck stops and all. In your opinion, like, what's the best place to buy uh, upper-end equipment? Is it a truck stop? Is it a dedicated shop? Is it do your research and buy online? I mean, what would what would you do if you were going to buy some really, you know, what you would consider mid-grade to high-grade gear uh, tomorrow morning? What, you know, where would you go and, and why? Oh, if I were gonna, if I were gonna go out and buy, say, a, a Galaxy 959 tomorrow morning, um, well, you know, I have the option of stopping everywhere between Moriarty, New Mexico, and Modesto, California tomorrow. So, you know, I've I have lots of options. I can stop in all kinds of places, and I can look on on eBay, and I can look on uh, Amazon, and kind of shop for the best price. Generally, Amazon's got about the best deals. Uh, eBay I don't really like because you don't necessarily know what you're getting. But, um, uh, you know, if you've got the cash in hand and you're not in a hurry to make a purchase, then you could do your shopping and really do your homework and find the best deal and then when you see it and know it's the best deal, you can just jump on it right then. Because you're kind of looking at, well, if it's a you know a XYZ model, it doesn't really matter who you buy it from as far as the radio itself. It is what it is. Absolutely. Are you are your thoughts like should the average person go ahead and just you know put this thing in their vehicle and start figuring it out on their own, or does it make sense to go see someone and have them do your tuning for you, or or what have you? You know that kind of it depends on the individual, Jack. I, I got to tell you, I'm. I'm the kind of guy that, uh, you know, I'm kind of the classic hacker kind of guy. If I see something and I want to know how it works, I'm going to figure it out. I'm not going to go ask somebody. With a few exceptions, you know, if it's something that can kill me, then I'm probably going to ask for some expert advice. But a CD radio, as long as you've got an antenna plugged into it, it's not going to, it's not going to hurt you. There really isn't anything you can do to harm you. And there's really not a whole lot you can reasonably do that's going to harm it. So okay. I would totally just jump in and figure it out. Okay. That makes sense to me. Um, why do you think maybe, because I'm kind of getting this feeling from you that upper end CBs are maybe not the best use of your dollar, that maybe you're better off with a lower end radio? If it's something you're not going to use a lot, you know, if it's something you're just, you know, if you're looking for, you know, I'm speaking from the, you know, my kind of prepper mindset. You know, if, you, if you're looking at something that you're not going to really use, you just want to have it so that if, you know, if the shit hits the fan, you know it's there and you know you can plug it in, fire it up and go. I I don't want to invest a whole lot of money in it. And and I don't want to, um, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time messing with it and trying to figure it out when I do want to get it going. So, yeah, I, I like the lower end stuff for, for the casual user. Okay, and a lot of times those lower end things, we think you get what you're paying for. But if you're if you're only paying for features, 
the more features I put into an electronic device, the more moving parts, so to speak, even though generally they're not actually moving, but the more points of perspective failure. So a lot of times a lower-end device, if it's a well-built lower-end device, to me is more reliable and less likely to actually break. Yeah, that's the way I see it also. Okay, cool. Now, we mentioned real quick uh, upper and lower sideband. Uh we kind of explained sort of what it is. Can you just talk a little bit about what it is and why might the everyday prepper want it or say, no, I don't even want to mess with this? Well, okay, upper and lower sideband are basically you take a, a wave. If you, if you draw a wave on a piece of paper, a radio wave, not an ocean wave, and, you know, it's uh, it's a, uh, it's shaped kind of like a circle split in half and moved over. Uh and that that wave is the is the carrier. It's uh, uh, it's how the data is transmitted. I, I'm really not very good at explaining this uh, this morning, but uh, if you uh, if you basically cut off half of it and just dedicate all your energy to either the upper half of the wave or the lower half of the wave, then you're getting better distance out of it, and you're also oddly getting some better uh, uh, coverage penetration. And so, you know, basically basically what up and lower side band is, is you've split the radio signal kind of in half, and you're only using either the upper half or the lower half half of the bandwidth allocated to the radio or to that channel. So hold on, let, yeah. me, let, me, let me restate that, because you say you're not good at explaining it, but I think for the first time I get it. Uh, so what you're saying Uh-oh. is if I think of, if I think of a wave of a wave that I've drawn on a piece of paper going up and down up and down up and down, if I'm using the the frequency itself, I'm using that whole thing as a carrier, and when I'm using like say upper sideband, I'm using more up along the peaks of the upside. If I'm losing lower sideband, I'm losing I'm using more down the valleys of the lower sideband, and that that's giving me a, a different. Uh, level of, of range. It's giving me a different, uh, I, I may not, I won't likely be heard in, in the people using the main part of the frequency. And it, it just gives me a different means of communication using the same frequency in a different manner. Is that, is that right? Essentially, yes. Cool. Uh, now, it, it does some really cool things. It allows, um, like I said, better, some better penetration through coverage. So, you know, foliage and sometimes buildings and things like that. Not as much as you'd hope for, but it can give you a little bit of help. Um, it does, for some reason, allow better skip options. Uh, usually, those are the signals that that will bounce off the uh, ionosphere more readily. And it, it has an odd thing. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like um, uh, using a cell phone versus using Skype. Uh, you're using Skype, you're, you're getting a better range of sound because you're using more bandwidth. That's the same, you know, versus cell phones where they've got everything compressed down and you end up sounding like I sound right now. Uh, it's the same kind of deal. AM has better sound quality. Sideband has a lot lower sound quality because it's using a lot less bandwidth, but you're able to compress a lot more into that. And, and there's some weird things that go on too with that. Uh, the uh, receive radio needs to have a clarifier because there's some frequency drift that goes on, and so they need to be able to tune you in in order to understand what you're saying. And if somebody's on AM listening to somebody on sideband, 
they're only getting part of the picture, and by the time it comes out of their speaker, it sounds basically like trash. I got you. Well, and that makes sense because it's almost like with with AM, I've got this great big target to, to receive, and with, with SSB, I've got this much more narrow target, so my receiver side of my transceiver has to be more tuned to, to catch that narrow wave versus that much more broad wave. It, it, it actually yeah. makes more sense to me now than it ever has before. So thank you. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad I could do something right. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've heard a lot of people that I've talked to about this tell me that if you're going to invest money, invest it in your antenna versus your radio, that your antenna is as important or more important than the radio itself. So what kind of antenna options are there available for mobiles and, and base station use? Uh, there are tons of options out there for um, for mobiles. I can I can speak to base stations just basically say you know there's there's big antennas and then there's little antennas and you can build antennas and building antennas is a really cool and fun thing to experiment with. Uh, but I would recommend highly that somebody go out and get a book on antenna building if they're gonna if they're gonna build an antenna for home use. Uh, as far as for for mobile. You know, that's really where the options open up for the for the CD user. There are so many antenna options out there. It's really kind of dizzying. You know, you walk into a CD shop and it's like, okay, here's the antennas you have to choose from. And oh, what? <laughs> uh, kind of the uh, uh, kind of the mainstay for uh, uh, a typical mobile, uh, say a four wheeler, somebody who goes out, pounds around at the bush, would be like a fire stick. Uh, and those are extremely flexible. Uh, I understand they have a warranty. If, they, if you break it, then they bought it. But I'm not completely sure on that. But it's a, it's a fiberglass whip. It's uh, about three eighths of an inch in diameter. And I've seen people tie those things in a, in a kind of a loose knot and not have a break. And, and that's a good, you know, like I said, a good option for somebody who's going to be abusing their antennas. Uh, there's other options out there. You can have a magnet mount antenna. Uh, those are extremely popular. I like those a lot, but you need to make sure you get a really big magnet that's really, really strong, or you'll one day find yourself going 75 miles an hour down the freeway with dangling an antenna alongside your car, probably running it over. Uh, (laughs) And making your fellow motorists very unhappy. (laughs) Which, which, by the way, really, really sucks when you run over your own antenna at 75. I've done it. Uh, and they have they have some really cool looking industrial looking magnet mounts, and that's you know and that, if you're gonna go with a a magnet mount, that's really what you want, and you're gonna spend you know thirty five to fifty bucks on a good magnet. Uh, there's some of the other options out there is uh, K40 makes an an antenna that's uh, removable, only the base remains, and I. I've had uh, several of those over the years, and those have been really good antennas. It's a quarter turn, and you take the uh, 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 the load coil and the whip off and just stuff it in your car when you walk into the mall. Uh, they're not as visible, and they're really high, a high-quality antenna. They, they You get really good range with those. Another option, and this is my very favorite in the world, and this is what I do uh, on my on my own vehicles when I when I'm out antennas is uh it's uh, a Motorola 
three-quarter inch NMO mount, and it actually requires that you drill a three-quarter inch hole in your sheet metal, and it's a very permanent mount, but the antenna itself, the uh, load coil, uh, screws on or unscrews, so it's removable, and then when you get rid of the car, you just leave, you know, it looks like uh, when you buy a police car, it's got a little brass thing, little brass button on the roof uh, oh, yeah. where you could just plug the hole. A lot of people don't like to drill holes in their sheet metal, and I understand that, but, you know, it really gives you the best uh, the best contact for, for your ground plane. Would you say for the person that doesn't want to do that, that just, I'm not going to do it, and that's their attitude, that a really good magnetic mount would be their best option then? Absolutely. Okay. And, I mean, my understanding is that we really want to get that antenna on the vehicle as close to the center roof if, as we can, as we do things like, I've seen fender mounts, right, And that, but we change the shape of the of uh, the signal, so we're not going to get out as as well in certain directions as others. We'll get the most uniform uh, unidirectional transmission if we go in the center of the vehicle. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, but the vehicle itself actually becomes part of the antenna. Is that correct? It does. Yes, the the vehicle, the the metal in the vehicle becomes uh, the ground plane for the antenna. And yeah, generally with most vehicles, the center is your best option because you get the most uh, most range fore and aft, you know, so to the front and to the rear, because that's where the metal extends out the most. And you get a little less going out to the sides because you know, a vehicle is limited by you know by the law to eight feet, so you're only going to get four feet in each direction from the middle of the car. Uh, and most cars you're really only going to get about two and a half feet. So yeah, generally, um, generally you do want the very middle if you're going to do a permanent mount. If you're going to do a magnet mount and you know which uh, which way you're going to be talking to people, you want to be talking to people ahead of you, then you might want to put it more towards the rear of the car so you get a little more boost towards the front. Okay, well, that makes sense. You've also talked a little bit about like how you could do some antennas with your home brewing up on your roof that would not even look like an antenna. And I know there's ways to even do that with mobile antennas to make them look more like a regular radio antenna. Do you think that's a, a good idea, especially from a prepper standpoint, kind of an operational security thing? And, and what are your thoughts in some ways that can be done? Well, as far as in a car, um, you know, for a mobile, really, I don't, I don't see a lot of really good ways to do it unless you're going to park somewhere. Then you can run uh, a bare wire up into a tree or, or up along a pole or something like that. Um, but in a you know in, in a house environment, you've got inside your rafters, you've got you know just outside the peak of the house. Um, I've seen people run antennas down fence lines, and they're they're basically completely invisible at that point. But you're, you're using things like uh, electric fence wire or just uh, I've seen people go out and get um, uh, 50 feet of uh, Romex and just strip the, strip the uh, copper out, leave the insulator on and, and just run that as an antenna. Uh, and you're going to go about, you know, for CPU, you're going to go about 32 feet in each direction. Uh, one is going to be the, um, uh, the transmit side, the other is going to be the ground plane. So yeah, there are tons of options. Uh, like I said, I would. There's a lot of options or a lot of information out on the internet as far as antenna building. Um, and if somebody's going to go that way, that, you know, I can 
I can kind of give you a basic idea of how it's going to work uh, uh, here today, but if somebody's going to go that direction, they really need to research it really well and figure out exactly what's going to work best for them based on what they're trying to accomplish. Okay, and I'll add to that a resource. Um, in prep for doing this show, I read a book called The World of CB Radio, written by uh, two authors, Monty Crystal and Jeffrey Keating, and it was written back in like 89. So some of the the concepts are a little bit out of date because there's a lot more emphasis on emergency use uh, than we would generally think of today as a commonplace thing because not everybody walked around with a cell phone in in 1989, as hard as that may be for us to remember. Uh, but it was a great book, and there's a huge section on different antenna builds. So that's a, a, a reference I would definitely recommend. It sells for like, I don't know, like 10 bucks on Amazon or something like that, and I'll include a link to it in today's show notes. Huh. Yeah, I, I might actually have to pick that up myself and read it. That sounds like an interesting read. I got the Kindle edition. It was one of those things when I saw all the diagrams for the uh, for the antenna builds and all that I went, this would have been better to get in paperback just for all the illustrations because <laughs> Kindles are great for reading. They're not great. Or even like I have the Kindle app on my iPhone, and it's not as great for looking at diagrams and understanding things that are pictorial. Um, so it was. I, I would pick the paper copy of this one up if I was going to buy it again. I probably won't just to do that, but... Uh, if I was, had it all to do over, if I had a mulligan, I'd, I'd, I'd switch to paper on it. <laughs> all right. And I'll make sure like, so I'll make sure there's a, uh, a link in the show notes so you can grab it, too, if you want to. Um, we can talk a little bit about optional equipment. In your outline, you had tuning meters. Are we talking about SWR there, or are we talking about something else? No, we're talking about SWR. Okay, so we've kind of co- kind of covered that, but do you want to maybe say a little more on it? Yeah, you can you can pick up a really cheap one for about 20 bucks. Um you, you can, and the sky's the limit with that. If you want something that, you know, gives you way more information than you really need, then you can spend a lot more money on it. The most I've ever seen for CBSWR is about 80 bucks, but I'm sure you can spend more than that. What are your um, thoughts on just going ahead and getting a radio that has a built-in one? Is, is that good or bad? Is it, you know, another point of failure or, you know? I think it's, um, well, it may be another point of failure, but... If it breaks inside your radio, all you need is an, an external SWR meter at that point. So you, you're out 20 bucks, and you still have a working radio. Um, they're not, it's not going to be as accurate. You know, if you're really looking to tune something in, you probably want something with a bigger uh, display on it. But for somebody who's just looking for something that they're not going to use every day, or even if they are going to use it every day, but they're not looking for... You know, the extreme, you know, they're not trying to get to the extremes. I would, I would just get one that has one in it. Uh, I'm sorry, get a radio that has one in it. Okay, I got you. No, that makes sense to me. And I, that's kind of what I've been thinking. Because I, I told you before we started, I'm looking to buy some gear and I'm, I'm trying to, you know, not take forever to figure out what I'm going to buy. But that was my thought is it's there, it's a feature. If you want better, you can have better later, but at least it's there from the beginning. And it seems like a fairly important feature to me. Yeah, well, like I said before, you know, most most of the most of the radios out there are not going to blow up just because you key up with a with an out of tune antenna, and it could be pretty seriously out of tune and still work. You're not going to get the transmission range, and if you key up for a long period of time, it, it, you you get the duty cycle issue here, and, and basically it's it's you know high heat for a long duty cycle is going to burn it up. But high heat for really low duty cycle. If you're just, you know, saying a few words and getting off the radio, letting it cool down while they're talking back to you, 
it's not as big a deal as people think. Okay. On some other optional equipment, the thing that always comes up on like every chat board forum, everything I've ever looked at, and, and seems to be like there's guys that even feel like if you don't do this, you're not legit. Uh, but it's uh, linear amplification, which, as far as I know, is illegal but not highly enforced. What are your thoughts on that world? It is illegal, and I have never seen personally any enforcement of it. I, uh, you know, my situation is a little bit different. I do have a call sign, so I, you know, I not on CD but on on ham. I can have up to fifteen hundred watts, and it's perfectly legal. Uh, I've personally known a lot of guys that have, that run, you know, one and a half kW on a CB and have never had a problem. I think really the issue comes in if you is if you've got a base station, you're someplace all the time, and your neighbors complain because when you key that thing up, you're turning lights on in their house that they didn't want on, and you know they sure. don't watch anymore. <laughs> it, it, it can be really destructive for your neighbors, and really, it can really piss people off. But generally, as long as you're not an idiot, you know, if, if you're using it, if it's an emergency thing, you know, I've got this, you know, I've got this 150-watt amplifier because I go out into the woods and I might be down in a ravine somewhere with no way to get out at 5 watts, so I want something extra to get me out. I think that's really more prudent than anything else. Gotcha. But in day-to-day practice, our official stance from the show is don't do it. That's what I'm going to say anyway. But I think it's one of those things to know about and know how to use because things are as they are now, and they're not always necessarily going to be this way. And to me, it's a tool that may be usable someday. But I'm going to give a disclaimer. Technically, if it's in your possession, then you're breaking the law if you have a radio at the same time. Even if they're not hooked that's, up, that's that. Just want everybody to know that, and then we're all that, men, and we all make our own decisions from here. Is that is that truly the case, or is it? Is it no, that's that truly the case. Up? If you let's say you were driving down the road and FCC really wanted to check you out for some reason and had probable cause to do so, and they pulled you over and you had a linear amplifier under the seat that was not hooked up, but it was there and able to be hooked up, technically that would put you in violation of the law the way it's written on the books. That does, Like you said, it doesn't mean it's enforced that way. It doesn't mean they're running safety checks and pulling people over and going, do you have a linear amplifier? But as I read the law anyway, and I'm not a lawyer, and from uh, opinions of others, that is actually the case. Okay, well, that, that gives me something to look at. I learned something today. I'll have to uh, research that. Make sure that I am uh, actually... As legal as I thought. <laughs> like I said, my situation is a little bit different. I have a call sign, so sure. maybe that puts me in a different category, or maybe I have to have a 10 meter next to my 11 meter before I can carry an amplifier in the car. I don't know. I'm, I'm have to I have that. no idea. I mean, I'm not, I, I can't go that because I don't know anything about the ham world other than the basic chatter that I've heard about it from the outside because um, I don't have a call sign. I haven't gotten my license or whatever yet. So. Uh, but that is my understanding as I read the law. Now, I do know there's things that we can do specifically with antennas and tuning where we can really improve the range of radio, with, with CB radio, without violating the law because there's, you know, when we talk about gain from an antenna, that's different than trying to gain the wattage output from the radio. Yeah, well, you know, and that's, that gets into some really complicated stuff. Um, but... Yeah, basically, the better the better your antenna, the further you're going to go, and uh, and you could do it on really really low wattage. 
Um, let's see. How do I want to say this? Uh, <laughs> most of the antennas out there for mobile use are going to be quarter or five-eighths wave, wave antennas. And there's a lot of hype involved in that. So really the best advice I can give anybody is to just buy a decent quality antenna and tune it really well. Okay. Okay. What are some of the ways we can just have some fun with CBs? You know, I used to do this thing called, we called it CB tag. Uh, the ham guys do it. They call it a fox hunt, I guess, because they have to sound more uh, sophisticated or something. But <laughs> basically, basically, you've got you've got a guy with a radio, and the minimum requirements for this is a radio with a signal meter on it. And and that's and actually you don't even really need that, but it's really hard without it. But somebody you know you get a group of people together with CBs and they you know they agree on a channel that they're going to be on and then they give a guy ten or fifteen minutes to go hide. So he hides with his whole car. He goes hides somewhere, and you know in ten minutes he says, "Okay, I'm I'm hidden, I'm ready," and then he gives clues, you know on a map or, you know, people will ask questions. Anyway, you just kind of home in on this guy and you're watching your signal meter and waiting for that to go, you know, fully red or, or to maximum range or whatever. And, you know, that kind of tells you you're, you're close enough. You need to start looking visually for the guy. And, you know, I used to do that a lot when I was in college. It probably contributed to me failing. <laughs> and it was really a good way to learn the town that I lived in too, because you know you've got a yeah. map in your hand. You're driving all the streets, and you know you do that for you know once a week for a couple of months, and pretty soon you know the whole stinking town. And you know it really well. That sounds like a really cool, let's call it game for. Uh, let's say if we had a local community group together that were all preppers to play with their CVs because they're getting to know each other, they're getting to experience their comms, they're getting to know their local area, uh, they're getting to work as a group. Uh, it seems like a real, and that's something I never heard of. Uh, and I grew up in a family where every vehicle we had had a CB in it back in the day. When it, that was back, of course, when like almost like, like everybody had a CB in the 70s and 80s. That was like standard equipment with a Monte Carlo was a CB radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it is a lot of fun, you know, uh, especially if you can find a group of like minded individuals to do it with, you know, so you don't end up with, you know, you end up with the occasional jerk out there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I know there are some of that out there, and I know I probably I know we have a huge contingent of hams, and the, the guy on the other end of this this conversation is a ham as well, folks. So it, it's not a versus issue here. But there's people in the, on the CBs that cause problems, and that doesn't mean that CBs bad. It means that those people are jerks, and there's jerks everywhere. Um, so I mean, you guys that are on the CB, try to do a little bit of self policing when you can, and and. What I what I remember anyway is even when a, a channel was really jacked up with tons of comms, there was always if you had somebody you wanted to talk to, you could kick up or down to a different frequency, and you could usually find some place you could get your comms through. And I actually would think that that would be more true today. I could be wrong because I haven't been on the, on the radio for so long, but it should be more true today because I think there's less use of CB today than there was in 1979. Um, maybe if you're on the, the, the air, it doesn't seem that way. But like I said, I remember when we would come into our neighborhood and you could see uh, an antenna on, you know, one in 10 cars. And I just don't see that anymore. Yeah. You know, 
it's, it, it really does seem like uh, the channels are a little more empty now. Uh, you know, the, the two big channels are 17 and 19, and, and those seem to be, those seem to end up being the local channels and, and some of the larger towns, too. Uh, and so, you know, you, you just stay away from those. Now, you know, if, you, if you're looking for, if you're just looking for somebody to talk to, you see if you can grab somebody off one of those and go to a different channel. But, any more, you know, especially trucking companies, uh, the drivers will agree amongst themselves, you know, we're going to hang out on channel two, and that's kind of going to be the company channel or channel 10, you know. The uh, two companies that I've driven for was like that. One was channel 10, the other was channel two, and, and you know, if you see another driver with the same uh, uh, same name on the side of the truck, then you call them up on that channel, and it's just a lot cleaner. But, yeah, I, I think that has a lot to do with the fact that everybody's got a cell phone, so what do you need a CB for? Yeah, I mean, I know. And I that's what I was saying when I recommended that book. There was an awful lot of talk about using, I think Channel 9 is the emergency channel, uh, to contact law enforcement and, and others for roadside assistance and all. And I'm sure it's still done, but... It would seem to me, and like you know, let's say let's go back to way back meter to 1985. That that would have been one of the most likely ways that law enforcement would have found out two miles down the road, dude, there's somebody in really bad shape. Where today, like as everybody's driving by, they're whipping out cell phones, hitting 911. Um, but again, I to me, part of that is well, that's that's the daily grind, so to speak. That's the way things are when everything is swell. And uh, everything's not always swell. Uh, we can all remember uh, 9-11 trying to get cell phone calls through. And, you know, once I contacted my family, I basically just shut my cell phone down and decided everybody knew I was okay, so I was going to be one less person on the net dragging it down. But there's other ways that communications can fail, so I, I think it's still highly relevant. Uh, on that, no, I, I, Go ahead. I, I will. I, I'm sorry to interrupt. I, w I will say it has been my personal experience in the last two years uh, trying to get a hold of anybody with any kind of authority using Channel 9 gets you nowhere. Now, that may change in the event of an actual dramatic regional emergency, but in okay. everyday life, if, in everyday life, if you want to call the police, you better have a phone. Yeah, because, I mean... I remember back in the day, like you don't, you don't, you don't get near chain. You don't use eight. You don't, you, you know, you, you don't use ten. You, you, you leave that whole band alone was kind of the rules um, because it was so heavily used. And I, I, I guess you're right. But I would also think that if you did have everything go down, that all of these guys, these first responders, do have usually CB access, and that man, that would that would be kind of a switched on thing right away. I, I would hope that it would be. Uh my, my, what I was trying to say was, in the current state where everything is just kind of you know going along the way it normally does, yeah. nobody's monitoring that anymore. Uh, not not regularly. I'm not sure true. that they you know if something ha if something bad happens, I imagine that goes right back on their priority list. But yeah, for now for now I really don't see that it is. I, I've you know I was on I five uh, which is over here on the west coast, and there was. Uh, there were some kids throwing stuff off of an overpass at cars, uh, things like bricks and rocks. And oh man! Nobody could get a hold of nobody could get a hold of anybody on the CB to fix that. They ended up somebody had to have a phone to call. I, I'm going to do a little PSA on that note before we go on to kind of wrapping up here. Um, 
That stuff is dangerous, folks. And if you see it, do get a hold of law enforcement. While I was living in Pennsylvania near Allentown, there were some kids that thought it was funny, and they were dropping basically giant ice balls. They called them snowballs, but you know how the snow gets when it's wet. And one went through the window of a minivan and killed a man's wife in the passenger seat while her, her husband's there. Two kids are in the back. And this lady's dead. And these kids, their life is forever changed, both from, you know, they're under serious charges and living with that. So if you see that going on, it's it's not a joke. It is, uh, oh, it is it's it extremely is dangerous. And, and not only that, but even if they miss, every, everybody's going 75 miles an hour. They're going to be yeah. dodging whatever they're throwing off and running into each other. And then you've got, you know, then you've got a pileup and, and the potential yeah. carnage that arises from that. Yeah, so definitely report that stuff. I... Uh, I'm not going to go there. Just off on a side note now. Anyway, I, we, I, what I want to kind of fill, fill, finish up with, I think, for, from my opinion so far, and I understand that I'm not an amateur radio guy, so I don't know the technology. But that's part of why I feel this way, that I think CB is more practical for the average prepper. Um, and, and I almost say, like, if you do get community going together, if you got one or two, you've got a group of, you know, 20 guys uh, or 20 families and one or two are hams, then that's their specialty, so to speak. But for the average guy, I just think this is more practical. Am I nuts there? Do you agree? And if so, why? You know, here, here's the thing with ham radio, with amateur radio. It will ruin your life. You will do nothing but work on radios and, <laughs> and research radios and, and well, wife. Oh, yeah, that's that lady who lives down the hall from me. Uh, oh, yeah, I remember her. Yeah, we had a special day 20 years ago, whatever. Yeah. CB is great because you can buy it. It works off the shelf. Everybody's got one, and it's simple. And you you don't have to spend a lot of money or know a whole lot to make it work. I think that's a great advantage for somebody who's trying to grow their own food and, and work a job and have a family, you know, because... You don't have to dedicate any time to it. It's there. You can you can buy all the all the equipment, hook it up once, so you know how it works. Try it out. Talk to somebody driving down the road, and then put it all back in a box, stick it in a garbage can, and seal it up. So if there's an EMP, it's still okay, or whatever you know, whatever your particular bent is in that regard. Sure. With amateur radio, you have to know it. It has to become part of your life, and. Yeah, once you get to a certain point and decide you don't want to go any further, yeah, you could back off it. That's really what I've done. As I got to a certain point, I, I understand how to use two meter and know how to get on a repeater. And you know what? I could ruin my life, but I've got other stuff to do. So why, you know, why keep why keep pushing it? Why keep record, you know being required to learn it? Why record? You know, why maintain a license? The CP works every day. Yeah. And I mean, I kind of look at it this way. It's not like that doesn't mean it's not practical for some people. If you are a radio nut and you that, that makes you happy, I think you should go nuts with it. But I kind of look at it like if somebody said to me, Jack, I'm thinking about buying this uh, the, the, this uh, rifle for self-defense. And I'm thinking about buying an AR. Well, great. It's a good rifle. Go buy one. And they said, well, I'm going to get one of these custom-made katanas and all, you know, unless you train every day as a security force-on-force specialist, the off-the-rack rifle is, is everything you need because you have other things to be doing in your life, and you'll never exceed the capabilities of a good quality stock weapon. So anything you do to go beyond that, other than basic reliability, is almost wasted overhead and wasted expense because you can't outshoot the weapon. 
Now, if you ever get to where you can outshoot that weapon and you want to go further, then you can go buy the $10,000 custom-made, you know, rig. But it doesn't make And I kind of see this, and I see that not just in radio, not just in weapons, but all things. And I try to use something totally different than a radio to explain it because that's how I feel. Like, the ham guy is the specialist guy. And the ham guys always say to me, but this is like having a full toolbox instead of just a hammer. Well, that's great, but I just want a hammer. I just want to knock the nail in and, and go on about my life, you know. That's that's how I personally feel. And that's not putting the ham guy down. That's just saying that's great for you, but, you know, I drive an F-350 Super Duty. Does that mean you should go out and buy one too? Or are you happy with your, your Volkswagen Jetta? Fine, go drive that. That's that's kind of my view. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, and... <sighs> You know, here's here's the thing about the ham guys. You know, the typical ham guy who's really involved in it is really involved with it with it because he likes it and it excites him. You know, and he and he thinks everybody else should have that same joy that he has. And you know, I can I can see you know that that's kind of how I got into it. Somebody wanted me to get involved in it because they really liked it, and that's and that's what got me started. And and I got really excited about it. And I wanted to get my wife involved in it. She's like, oh, I think that's nerdy. You know, <laughs> and. Yeah, that's 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 kind of why you know that's when the hams are all like they are. They're really excited about what they do, and they don't think there's any better way to do it. You know, this is this is the way to do it. We invent all the stuff that becomes mainstream and all this, and you know, you hear a lot of weird stuff. But the point is, they get really excited about it, and you can be really excited about anything. But if you're not looking for something that's going to take over your life, and you're looking for a good, solid way to communicate with somebody. I really think CB is the best way to go. Very cool. Well, hey, man, Clay, I know this is kind of like I just threw it out there and said I need somebody to come on and talk about this, and uh, you're one of the guys to put your hand up, and I think you did a great job, and, and I appreciate you being with us here today, and I hope you get out of that truck stop sometime soon, man, or, or at least fix the toilets, one or the other, man. <laughs> hey, thanks for the opportunity, Jack. I really, I really enjoyed this, and I appreciate the chance to talk to you. All right, folks, and with that, this has been Jack Spearco today, along with Clay Vittis, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. Sometimes we forget we are what we eat. I don't know the answer. It's like there's nothing I can do. It's the price we pay, I guess, when we follow all the rules. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way.